show and I'm the Daniel and the frankly part of this enterprise it's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights and it's an honor to be here today with you your time is precious and I appreciate it so let's jump right in allow me to start by thanking you for your overwhelming support for last weekend's program entitled what you don't know about transgender teens this last frankly Daniel show was really a primer on the social phenomena of adolescence young adolescents, particularly girls caught up in a social craze of gender confusion, gender dysphoria, and gender transitions. Today I'm going to discuss gender identity and the Democrats' push to pass something called the Equality Act. But first, let's review what gender identity and its precursor, gender dysphoria, are. Gender identity is a personal sense of one's own gender. Gender identity can match with a person's assigned sex at birth, which is the case for most of us, or it can differ from it. Now, gender expression typically reflects a person's gender identity, but this isn't always the case. According to the American Psychiatric Association's Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, commonly referred to as the DSM-5 manual, gender dysphoria is defined as a marked incongruence between a person's expressed gender identity and the gender identity they were assigned at birth. This misalignment is between the sex and gender one's assigned at birth and one's current perceived gender identity. I know, it all gets a little bit confusing and there seems to be too much gender in all this gender stuff. Gender dysphoria was previously termed gender identity disorder. Unfortunately, when the APA upgraded their diagnostic manual in 2013 from Volume 4 to Volume 5, they changed their diagnostic term, Gender Identity Disorder, to Gender Dysphoria. I say unfortunately because I believe Gender Identity Disorder is more descriptive of what's going on in today's high schools among predominantly lonely, depressed, and anxious adolescent females. No, this isn't true for every adolescent high school female with gender dysphoria. But unquestionably, what's happening in high schools today with gender confusion and the popularity of declaring oneself gender fluid or non-confirmatory or non-binary gender is truly amazing. Undoubtedly, some of these adolescent girls are suffering psychological distress from any number of mental health issues but it's increasingly questionable if their mental distress is due to gender confusion and some naturally occurring innate driving force expressing itself now as a new opposite gender as they enter puberty or they find themselves in midstream adolescent changes. As I explained last week, prior to 2012, gender dysphoria, or back then gender identity disorder, was nearly unheard of among teenage girls. Gender dysphoria has been predominantly of very young boys between two and four years of age, mental disorder. Their gender confusion resolves in 85 to 95% of cases as they grow up and become mentally healthy young men. 
So gender dysphoria and the urge to transition genders is it is not it 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 isn't immutable for all people. Yes, in the past nine years, female teens are increasingly self-discovering. They're not gendered girls, but they're somehow gendered boys. Instead, somehow the baby-making assembly line had a bad day and mismatched babies' genders and their sex, putting biological girls and gendered boys and biological boys and gendered girls' bodies. You should know that the LGBTQ gender activists don't like the term biologic boys and biologic girls. They strongly prefer terms like assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth. This is all political. It's not medical or science speak at all. We're in a very heated culture war of words, if you haven't noticed. Uh, Word culture wars are something the progressive left is very good at. This is always true of propagandists, by the way. The implication is that a doctor assigns a sex with a gender to a newborn baby. Gender activists are saying that a baby doesn't know if it's male or female. A baby's sex and gender are to be determined by them and by fate at some future date. The fate part of this equation happens sometime during prepubescence or pubescence, especially among girls, or what we thought were girls. It's at that future magic moment that a person's true identity gender is revealed to them and only to them. For today's uh, teens, immediately after 2012 is when their world began this journey of transgender wild. The net result is teens want to change their sex so they can feel more comfortable in their newly discovered gender identity. But they can't really change their biology. However, they can artificially alter it They can take puberty blockers if they haven't already begun this biological process. They can take cross-sex hormones like testosterone to simulate maleness. They can amputate healthy organs and body parts like breasts or ovaries and male organs to appear more like the opposite sex. Somehow these, these interventions supposedly relieve the pain that comes with gender confusion and gender dysphoria. However, the most recent surprise is that this great gender reveal somehow waited until these sex and gender mismatched babies grew up and became teenagers before becoming manifest. Up to this landmark gender reveal moment, there have been few, very few, if any, signs or symptoms of this massive pent-up gender confusion and need to transgender. Somehow, one's gender-sex match supposedly made in heaven, went astray and remained hidden for years. Then then suddenly there was this great misgendered epiphany. It's as if a biologic clock, perhaps the same clock that ticks off the hours left before, before a woman becomes too old to physically have a baby, perhaps it's that same clock, hits a mark and voila, a teen is struck with uh, gender dysphoria and a near desperate journey to have a sex change begins. Uh, Yes, I I do believe there's such a malady as gender dysphoria. Uh, Let me repeat that. I do believe there is such a a psychopathologic condition called gender dysphoria. But, But I don't believe or think it's anywhere near the fantastical numbers claimed by activists and activist researchers. Now, as I explained in last week's show, gender dysphoria 
is a self-diagnosed psychopathology. Now, there's no blood or genetic test for it. There's no physical exam that will confirm it. Its validity is entirely based on a teenager's self-report about their gender conflict with gender roles. The APA's Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, that DSM-5 manual, provides for one overreaching diagnosis for gender dysphoria, and there's separate specific criteria for children and for adolescents versus adults. Again, the uh, DSM-5 defines gender dysphoria in adolescence as a marked misalignment and resulting psychological distress because of a person's expressed gender and their assigned birth assigned gender. Now, the psychological distress must be present for at least six months, the manual says, and manifested by at least two of the following. Now, there's, uh, I think, six of these, and I'm going to read them to you. You have to have at least two of these going on for six months. Number one, a marked mismatch between one's expressed gender and their primary and secondary sex characteristics. So I don't like my sex characteristics, okay? Number two, a strong desire to be rid of one's primary and secondary sex characteristics because of a marked mismatch between uh, their expressed gender. And th this includes the desire to prevent the development of any anticipated secondary characteristics in the prepubescent adolescent. Now, the third one, a strong desire for the primary and secondary sex characteristics of the other gender. Number four, strong desire to be the other gender. Number five, a strong desire to be treated as the other gender. And finally, number six, a strong conviction that one has the typical feelings and reactions of the other gender. Now, in order to meet the criteria for gender dysphoria as a diagnosis, the condition must also be associated with a clinically significant amount of distress or impairment in social or occupational or other important areas of functioning, like at school. Now remember, a teen only has to self-report they're in psychological distress due to two, just two of these criteria, for at least six months. It's, it's as if every teenager can't find this criteria everywhere on the web and use it to obtain the puberty blockers or, more likely, the cross-sex hormones necessary to begin gender transition. I mean, please already. Uh, there are even YouTube videos and transgender fan websites that will coach you on how to present yourself to a prescribing mental health practitioner so that you're going to be successful in obtaining those blockers and hormones. Uh, go ahead and type in gender dysphoria into Google, and you'll find literally hundreds upon hundreds of websites listing gender dysphoria and explaining it in detail and what gender-affirming care is all about. Moreover, there are scores of clinics, institutes, and even major medical centers that offer short, 8 to 10 question online tests that you can take to direct your thoughts about your possible gender conflict. All this, and you're a teenager, think of it. Of course, all these sites disclaim that their online tests are diagnostic. Instead, uh, they're suggestive and they possibly reveal something about your possible gender dysphoria. So, after you play around with uh, the no brainer online test, Come on down to the clinic and we'll start you on your gender-affirming care. Gender-affirming care is all about agreeing with the client 
in this case a teenager, that they have gender dysphoria and the practitioner's job as a treating mental health specialist is to confirm the teenager's self-diagnosis and prescribe drugs to treat uh, the self-reported condition. And your family's health insurance is required to pay for all of it, believe it or not, uh, both the visit and the prescription. Moreover, there are numerous reports about teens in some states as young as 13 or 14 years of age walking into Planned Parenthood treatment centers and walking out with the prescription for puberty blockers or hormones hormones like testosterone or estrogen. Oh, yes, the treatment of gender dysphoria in, in, in Planned Parenthood is Planned Parenthood's second largest product line, second only to ab- abortions, of course. Now, in fairness, not every mental health practice or practitioner is this cavalier about treating self-diagnosed gender dysphoria. But there are innumerable reports of practitioners who feel pressured to agree with clients and prescribe puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones or be called out by gender activists. Last week, I reported an ever-increasing number of social workers, nurse practitioners, physicians, health services researchers, and the like who've been fired, have lost their academic appointments or professional society memberships because they didn't knuckle under and go with the flow of providing an unexamined client's gender-affirming care. Okay, I'll slow down. I'll slow down. Curiously, gender dysphoria is the only psychopathologic condition I know of where you can walk into a healthcare clinic and demand treatment that affirms my own self-diagnosed healthcare problem. In fact, it's the only medical condition I'm aware of where you can do this with impunity, and if the practitioner doesn't comply, they're in trouble. Now, the example I often see is that of teens suffering from eating disorders like anorexia nervosa or bulimia nervosa. Now, can you imagine a female teen walking into a physician's office with one of these eating disorders demanding uh, liposuction because she feels fat? when in fact she's 30 pounds underweight for her body height and, and body uh, type. And by the way, there's some 20 million American women with serious eating disorders. How about someone walking into the surgeon's office demanding the surgeon amputate their left leg because it doesn't feel right to them? Uh, outrageous examples, you say? <laughs> Let me tell you, the more you look into this business of gender ideology as pushed by the LGBTQ activist community, the more outraged you become. Nevertheless, I do believe some people are born with brain wiring that doesn't allow them to fall into the 95% of people whose sex and gender identities are a settled matter. What's the proof you ask for this? Well, perhaps it's something called intersex. I-N-T-E-R sex, all one word. I often get asked questions about intersex. Are children who are born with abnormal external sex organs, are they transgender children? The answer as of now is no. Intersex is a general term used for a variety of conditions in which a person is born with reproductive or sexual anatomy that doesn't seem to fit the typical definitions of female or male. Intersex anatomy doesn't always show up at birth either. Sometimes a person isn't found to have intersex anatomy until he or she reaches the age of puberty or finds themselves as infertile adults or 
or dies of old age and, and is autopsied. Now, intersex occurs approximately about 1 in 2,000 to 5,000 live births. There are different frequencies for each type of intersex condition, so the best I can say is that it occurs between 2,000 and 5,000 live births. There are approximately 10 or 12 most common forms of intersex. But when I'm talking about adolescent gender dysphoria, I'm not talking about intersexed individuals. I'm saying it's possible that those teens with actual inborn leanings toward an opposite gender, opposite than the one they were birth assigned, that their sex and gender differences may arise from intersex origins. However, from what I can tell, the medical research has suggested this, but as of yet, there's no definitive proof. Nonetheless, it is a popular theory. So let me ask you, do you have a teenage daughter or a teenage granddaughter? Perhaps your neighbors or your friends or other family members have high school-aged girls and boys? Do you have children in primary or elementary school? Trust me, someone you know is dealing with transgender teens in their family, or they have a friend who's experiencing it. So you say, isn't this transgender stuff pretty rare? I thought only adults came out as transgender people, you know, like uh, when Bruce Jenner came out as Caitlyn Jenner. Not anymore. A recent Pew Research Center survey found that about 4 in 10, about 42%, say they know someone who is transgender up five percentage points since 2017. And about a quarter or 26% say they know someone who prefers that others use gender-neutral pronouns, such as they instead of he or she, when referring to them. Now, Pew says that that 26 is up from 18% in 2018. When was the last time they asked that question? I'll have more to say about this later, but, but for now it's worth asking Where's all this newfound knowledge of transgender people coming from? It's clear that there's an explosion of adolescent teens, particularly teen girls, who are declaring they suffer from gender confusion and the resulting gender dysphoria. And we know this because they're seeking medical gender-affirming care to relieve this gender identity dysfunction. And I, I should say, by the way, business is booming. You know, in 2007, there was only one medical center of note treating adolescent gender dysphoria. Back then, of course, it was called gender identity disorder. That place was the Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. Today, as of this broadcast, I've identified over 342 medical centers, clinics, institutes, and the likes claiming to treat gender dysphoria. And I'm only counting the numerous Planned Parenthood facilities as one center. Yes, as I mentioned, Planned Parenthood's second leading product line is gender dysphoria, second only to abortions. And as it's told, you could walk into a Planned Parenthood center and walk out with a prescription for testosterone or estrogen to begin your gender transition and hopefully relieve your psychopathologic gender dysphoric distress. In most states, you only need to be 16 years of age. You don't even need parental consent. You can use your family's health insurance policy to pay for the treatment. Yuck. Some states like Washington or Oregon, you need to be only 13 or 14 years old 
Well, let's get back to the story of the overwhelming growth of gender dysphoria among our teen population and, importantly, why the numbers matter. For the past several years, researchers have told us there's approximately 0.01%, or about 1 in 10,000, transgender people in America. Then, in 2017, the Williams Institute at the UCLA Law School conducted a survey and declared approximately 0.6% of 26 million teens between the ages of 13 and 18 suffer from gender dysphoria and are going through gender transitions. In other words, there were approximately 156,000 transgender teens in the U.S. in 2017. Oh, then came along the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. They came along in 2019 and reported on a study conducted in 2017 and told us that the percentage of transgender teens in our population was 1.8%, or about 468,000 transgender teens. Oh, my nerves. This was 300,000 more than the Williams Institute study found, and it was all in the same year, 2017. In 2020, another large-scale survey conducted out of Pittsburgh claimed the actual percent of teen transgenders was closer to 9.2%, which would put the mark uh, somewhere near 2,390,000. Get out of here. 2,390,000. Every time I pinch myself, the percentage of transgender people soars up. I mean, way up. Every time I review the newest claims, I have a spontaneous Tourette syndrome meltdown. If our teenagers are converting from their birth assigned sex and gender to opposite gender and altering their external sex anatomy in an ever-increasing set of percentages, what are we supposed to think about how many adults are doing likewise? But I have no faith at all in any of these studies or their numbers. I mean, how could anyone have faith? in these increases unless you believe gender dysphoria is more contagious than COVID-19. I mean, even the Delta variant. But I do believe all these calculations are in support of a political ideology that promotes a false belief that gender is no longer an either male or female entity. The LGBTQ gender activists would have us believe gender is on a spectrum from all male to all female and everything in between. It says, if today I woke up and felt I was 60% male and 40% female, but yesterday I felt 55% female, 35% male, and 10% uncertain. This is what being gender fluid appears to be all about. But why are the ever escalating numbers of transgender people important? The bigger the transgender numbers, the more politically necessary it is to drastically change our national and state anti-discrimination laws to protect all those millions of gender-fluid and gender-confused individuals from the scourge of social stigma and the mean, thoughtless brutality of straight people. Uh, Please already, most of us are and have always been open to reasonable gender differences. No, I'm not talking about being uh, open to drag queens reading library books and public libraries to youngsters. Uh, Have you seen uh, any of those news stories and and the photos that go along with these uh, reading to children events? Talk about gender confusion. 
As far as most of us are concerned, you're free to be you and I'm free to be me as long as neither of us tread on each other. It's what liberty's about, isn't it? I mean, freedom to express yourself. Unfortunately, if the radical progressive left has shown us anything these past nine months, it's that they have no compunction about treading on conservatives, especially people of faith, and our traditional religious communities. The radical progressive left believes in their socialist and neo-Marxist ideology on issues like open borders, expensive social welfare programs, deficit spending, critical race theory, defunding the police, climate change, and some of the most outrageous gender ideology this nation has ever witnessed. President Joe Biden said during his basement presidential campaign that he believed that 10- and 11-year-old children should be free to determine their own gender without interference from their parents. Oh, but I, I wish to begin by telling you that the LGBT gender active community is using this exploding teenage transgender movement as a giant fulcrum to leverage a new and politically and religiously destructive ideology. In turn, they're using this flimsy sex and gender ideology to aggressively lobby for new radical progressive laws. One of the key arguments they're making is that one's gender identity is an immutable characteristic like race, color, or one's national origin. Perhaps being gay is an immutable, incontrovertible sex orientation, but one's gender identity is not. Apparently, people change it all the time. So why is the left trying to legislate special protections for gender identity using the same rationale as being Asian American, Black American, or Hispanic American? We agree one's race, color, and national origin are permanent, unchangeable characteristics. We are born this way, and we can't change it. Therefore, we've written our laws to protect each other from discrimination based on race, color, and national origin. Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Law already protects us from discrimination based on our sexual orientation. For instance, most of us believe being gay is an immutable characteristic like being black, white, or Hispanic. In other words, if you say you're gay, you're gay. The gay community has lobbied America for the past 25 years to accept being gay as a biologic imperative and not a lifestyle choice that the religious right could somehow pray away or attempt conversion therapy on. In other words, you cannot pray someone straight. This is why conversion therapy was always a cruel, unworkable, and demented non-therapy. If you're gay at 13, you most certainly will be gay if you were to live 130 years. And I agree with this proposition. But the same axiom is not true for those who suffer with or presume to suffer from gender dysphoria. Now we're going to take this subject right back up when we come back from break. Don't go away. I'll be back in just seconds. Now never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? 
That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. It's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. While the cancel culture is determined to destroy our history, bringing violence and terror to city streets, America Out Loud will enhance its own message of love and honor for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America Out Loud Talk Radio liberty and justice for all. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Just before the break, I was talking about the fact that we have laws that already protect all of us from discrimination based on our race, color, religion, national origin, and sexual orientation, including our gender. Importantly, Being gay is a sexual orientation and not a gender identity issue. Science has definitely shown us time and again that not all gender dysphorics go on to be cured by gender-affirming puberty blockers, cross-sex hormone replacement regimens, or gender-affirming surgeries. Today, I hope to convince you why you should be actively concerned and alarmed about what the LGBTQ gender community of activists and gender-pandering Democrats are up to as they aggressively push for a new federal law to grant special protective anti-discrimination privileges to children as young as seven and eight years of age who think they want to change their gender. But the law is much bigger than this that they're proposing. I should mention that, unfortunately, we have several Republicans who've been taken in by these gender activists. This never happens to Democrats. Democrats march to one song at a time. But by contrast, 
Republicans always have several critical members who are either tone-deaf or they're singing off-key, or more likely they're too busy singing their own songs, thus making it extremely difficult to hold the line on critical messages and legislation. Yes, the LGBTQ activists, working with Democrat Party lawmakers, have unveiled a new old bill entitled the Equality Act. The radical progressive left's gender identity, gender-affirming, and gender-tyrannical legislation is currently known as the Equality Act of 2021. It's a repeat of the 2019 effort to pass the Equality Act to make uh, sexual orientation and gender identity protected classes just like biologic sex, race, and color under existing federal non-discrimination laws. Boy, that was a mouthful. This year's bill is also known as H.R. 5 in the House of Representatives and S.R. 5 in the Senate. The House passed the Equality Act on February 25th of this year, and it now awaits debate in the Senate. The vote in the House was 224 to 206, strictly along party lines. If the Senate passes the Equality Act, President Biden, who is very much in favor of this legislation, will sign it immediately into law. And if we allow this to happen, we surely will live to regret it. So what's this legislation about? The progressive left claims it's about ensuring definitive laws against discrimination of those who identify as members of the LGBTQ community. We already have laws against any form of sexual identity discrimination. Uh, You cannot discriminate against gay, lesbian, or asexual individuals, nor do do we want to. Sadly, the brevity of this bill's title, the Equality Act, matches neither its scope nor its impact on federal law and fundamental liberties found in our Constitution. Yes, the entire bill's only about 30 pages long. If you've spent any time reading congressional bills, 30 pages is usually just the introduction. However, if enacted into law, the equity bill would further erode religious liberty, transform public opinion on sexuality, and harm the public's perception of those who believe in traditional or biblical sexual morality. Now, there are scores of recent legally argued and federal judge-confirmed trial victories that continue to uphold federal and state laws against discrimination for one's sexual orientation and one's gender identity. This is true for housing, employment, health care, religion, banking, and credit education, and a host of other circumstances. So why do, why do we need another major federal anti-discrimination law to protect the LGBTQ community members? I mean, after all, the T in LGBTQ stands for transgender. Here's the short answer. The radical left is pushing hard to include new sex and gender legal language into the 1964 Civil Rights Law and other standing laws against categorical discrimination. Specifically, they want to make it expansively unlawful to discriminate against anyone's transgender identity. And this has a lot of consequences. All this in an effort to promote the LGBTQ anti-science and anti-religious gender ideology. Anti-science, you say? Yes, anti-science. I mean, I ask you to consider 
the bizarre rhetoric the Biden administration's using to explain their public health policies covering COVID-19. At least 50% of their directives, their guidance and mandates, has nothing to do with science. And in fact, much of what they're up to is overreaching political control and, and not science. It's how they won the 2020 election. Uh, but back to the issue surrounding the Equality Act. As proposed, this act will replace the word sex with the phrase sex to include sexual orientation and gender identity. Now, here's the expansive part of the bill. The Equality Act defines gender identity as an individual's gender-related identity, appearance, mannerisms, or other gender-related characteristics, regardless of an individual's designated sex at birth. That sounds harmless for the most part, but one immediate consequence of this potential law is that teachers and educators will have to address transgender adolescents by their preferred transgender names and preferred gender pronouns, even if their names don't say this on their birth certificate or their driver's license or their parents' protest about using their transgender names in school. Not to do so would be discriminatory under this law and punishable under this law. Furthermore, the Equality Act erases any possible religious exemption in these cases. Now, Tanner Cross, out of Loudoun County, is a physical education teacher who was put on suspension because he, under religious circumstances, wouldn't uh, use the transgender names of his students. He felt it was a lie. Uh, He had to fight this through the courts, finally went to the Virginia Supreme Court, and and won his case along with two other uh, teachers to be reinstated. But that's all out the window if this law goes through. The same is going to be true for the use of restrooms and locker rooms. Transgender girls, teenagers whose birth assigned sex is male, but now gender identify as girls, must be allowed to use the facilities according to their new professed gender identity. The Equality Act goes on to explicitly define sexual orientation, by the way, first time ever, as homosexuality, heterosexuality, or bisexuality. Why are we stuffing all this sex and gender protection into federal law, federal law that will discriminate against uh, conscience and uh, religious freedoms? If if someone wants to claim they're a male instead of their birth-assigned female sex, well, why should anybody care, much less discriminate against a fellow American? But given the way the law is now interpreted, why do we even need an Equality Act to expand the definition of sex? The Equality Act is attempting to turn the 1964 civil rights legislation from a shield intended to protect racial minorities from discrimination into a sword that compels conformity by the weight of law to follow subjective viewpoints on sexual orientation and gender identity. Far too few of us know or understand that this expanded definition of sex has crippling consequences for religious institutions and people of faith. The devil is always in the details. As I've said before, the 64 Civil Rights Law protects immutable categories of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin from discrimination. One's gender identity is not an immutable, incontrovertible, 
or indelible trait. If it was, 85 to 95 percent of very young boys between the ages of two and four years who enter a temporary state of gender confusion wouldn't go on to be mentally healthy male adults. This is a stunning statistic, especially considering that when no intervention is made, roughly all children, all these male children, will outgrow their gender dysphoria, contradicting the claim of gender activists that gender identity is an innate and immutable characteristic. Furthermore, until uh, 2012, female adolescent gender dysphoria was practically unheard of. And now it's the leading demographic for gender dysphoria and gender transition care. If gender dysphoria and the indomitable urge to transition one's gender is immutable, we should have seen these whopping numbers of adolescent gender confusion from the very time of Adam and Eve. I mean, certainly the Lord would have uh, commanded Noah to have boarded two of every kind of gender making it necessary to build at least two arcs, maybe even three. Americans are free to adopt radical new ideas about gender for themselves. It's fine with me. Freedom of ideas and freedom to express these ideas in speech are part of our marvelous Constitution. However, if the LGBTQ gender activists have their way and the Democratic-controlled Senate passes the Equality Act, we will have given the federal government and the anti-religious left the power to pressure all of us into denying biological science under the threat of legal punishment. The Equality Act will create a new federal anti-discrimination protection on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity in public accommodations, in education, in, in, in employment, banking and credit, health care, housing, and abortion. In short, the Equality Act represents the most invasive threat to religious liberty ever proposed. Its sweeping effects on religious liberty, free speech, and freedom of conscience would be devastatingly historic. Aside from the catalog of protections that give rise to conflict between sexual identity and religious liberty, by elevating sexual orientation and gender identity to the level of race, color, and national origin, this Equality Act will practically equate those of us who don't agree with it as racist and label the majority of Americans as irrational bigots. If passed by the Senate and signed into law by President Biden, the Equality Act will make mainstream convictions about marriage and the science-proven facts about sexual biology punishable under this new law. So let's look at some of the details. In my opinion, the threat of the Equality Act becoming law is a five-alarm fire. But first to the courts. A multitude of legal scholars argue that another federal law will do little to enhance protections for gender discrimination. If passed into law, the Equality Act will obliterate existing civil rights and long-standing constitutional and religious freedoms for millions of Americans. Over the last several decades, the federal courts have been very clear about employment discrimination law. Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 makes it unlawful for employers to discriminate against individuals 
because of their sexual orientation or their gender identity. For instance, in a 1989 case, the Supreme Court held that it's a form of sex discrimination prohibited by Title VII to discipline a female employee because she failed to conform to traditional female roles in her dress and various other female stereotypes at work. The court ruled an employer could not punish an employee for failure to conform to gender roles specific to their birth sex. In 1998, nearly a decade later, the Supreme Court ruled on a case where a male employee was grievously sexually harassed for his perceived feminine mannerisms by other male employees and male supervisors. The court found that this harassment was unlawful sex discrimination under Title VII. In other words, the Supreme Court didn't need a new law from Congress to find in favor of persons who were discriminated against because they failed to follow social norms for their gender expression. The Heritage Foundation has methodologically deconstructed many of the myths propagandized by the left and the legacy media concerning this Equality Act. I encourage you to take full advantage of their extensive review of the devil hidden in the euphemistically worded Radical Left's Equality Act. I'm sure you've noticed that everything with the radical progressive left is about wordsmithing. The left fights their battles not with reason or truth, but with focus group approved phrases and language we'd all naturally agree with. I mean, who's not for equality? Who's against inclusion or diversity? But the clarion truth is that the devil is in the details and you must read the details. This is axiomatic with everything said and proposed by Democrats these days. Religious freedom is a fundamental right. It's enshrined as the first right in the Bill of Rights. The Equality Act goes out of its way to target religious freedom. In fact, the first myth is that the Equality Act preserves religious freedom. This is perhaps as big a lie as anything else the the un-American left is trying to force through Congress before conservatives can vote them out of power in 2022. The truth of the matter is that the Equality Act disembowels the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 and eliminates faith-based conscious protection from the Civil Rights Act. Yes, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act is a federal law passed in 1993, intended to prevent other federal laws from substantially burdening a person's free exercise of religion. This legislation, believe it or not, you won't even believe this, was introduced by Representative Chuck Schumer when he was in the House on March 11, 1993, and passed by unanimous House and a near-unanimous Senate vote with only three dissenting senators. The bill was immediately signed into law by President Clinton. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act says that if a government is going to burden religion, it needs to have a very good reason and it needs to show that it did everything possible to avoid overburdening the religion. It must show that it doesn't harm more people than it protects. Now, you can bet that uh, Senator Chuck Schumer would never propose the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in today's political anti-freedom, anti-religion environment, nor would President Biden even think of signing it. If either even hinted at such a law today, the radical left would descend as vultures, stripping their political bones clean.
Well, before launching into the details of the Equality Act, allow me to play for you a clip of Senator Cory Booker as he speaks to why he's a vociferous supporter of the Equality Act. He positions the Equality Act as a push to ensure the LGBTQ community the same rights blacks received in 1964. This bill has nothing to do with the civil rights that was passed in 64, believe me. Notice he doesn't mention any of the numerous controversial parts of the bill. Finally, there are scores of these short two-minute audiovisual clips of various noted Democrats speaking in support of the bill. It's one thing the Democrats do very well. Here's Corey. We have a legacy of painful following in, in, in Congress where the American people wanted to see women's rights to vote and Congress followed the American people where the American people were ready for the end of Jim Crow and the Congress followed the American people where the American people wanted to see basic workers' rights and the dignity of workers affirmed and we followed the American people. It's time for people in Congress to lead this nation, that you can live in a country where you can be denied work, employment, public accommodations just because of who you are is absolutely unacceptable. It's repugnant to the ideals we hail. And so this Equality Act is directly going to address those issues, is going to make sure that in the inclusive arc of this nation, uh, that we all can stand together and some people won't be left out uh, without the cover of law. I'm here because of so many LGBTQ Americans who stood for the rights of African Americans. And my message is that we continue to all be in this together. That right now there are folks who are hurting, who are struggling, who are afraid, who are being bullied, demeaned, and degraded. And if you attack the dignity of one American, it's an attack on the dignity of all Americans. And so we must stand together in this fight. And I stand with my LGBTQ American allies and friends. I stand with you in the cause of justice. The truth of the matter is that this nation's ideals cannot be real for anyone unless they're real for everyone. Unless they're real for everyone. That was the cutoff. I apologize for that. Well, let's get to the downside of the Equality Act. First, the Equality Act would force employers, medical practitioners, educators, and religious organizations to allow trans women into women's domestic violence shelters, most certainly including religiously sponsored and run shelters. In other words, the Equality Act will force vulnerable and sometimes traumatized girls and women in shelters or social service programs to share sleeping space, showers, and other spaces with transgender women or they'll have to be shut down. So that we get our terminology right, a trans woman or girl is someone who was originally male at birth, but who now claims to have transitioned his gender identity to that of a woman or that of a girl. The Equality Act will force physicians, therapists, and healthcare practitioners against their will and perhaps against their religious beliefs to perform medical and surgical procedures on clients wishing to change their gender saying no to gender dysphoric individuals wishing to transition their gender is no longer allowed under the Equality Act. Failure to provide this care would be a federal crime punishable by a fine and prison time. Next, the Equality Act will force teachers, employers, and healthcare practitioners to address transgender people by their preferred names, not necessarily their legal names, and their preferred pronouns, or be in violation of this federal law. 
Next, the Equality Act will shut down religiously-based foster care and adoption agencies which have helped children in need for over a century without discrimination just for protecting the child's right to be in a home with a married biologic female mother and a biologic male father. In other words, the equality law will force faith-based adoption agencies to violate their faith-based beliefs that every child deserves a female mother and a male father. Next, the Equality Act will legally strike down the belief that marriage is between a man and a woman. The bill's language refers to this discriminatory belief as a sex stereotype that must be struck down by law. Marriage between a man and a woman is sacrosanct, is hallowed, is an inalienable belief by hundreds of millions of Catholics, Evangelicals, Jews, Mormons, and Muslim Americans. The Equality Act would also nail open the door to taxpayer-funded abortions, despite the fact that the majority of the country opposes using public monies to promote abortion as a means of birth control. In other words, it will require all employers with more than 14 employees, even religious organizations, to cover abortions in their health insurance plan. I have to tell you, in preparing for this show, some of this stuff just drove me absolutely bonkers. Well, the LGBTQ proponents of the Equality Act, they claim the law is beneficial for women and girls because they allege it upholds Title IX of the Education Amendments Act, which prohibits sex discrimination against girls and women. Balderdash. The Equality Act makes changes to Title VI of the Civil Rights Act and these changes do not, they do not uphold in any way or support Title IX of the 1972 Education Amendments Act. The Equality Act's gender identity policies will require biological males who claim they are gendered females to be allowed to participate in female-only activities. In other words, there's no longer such a thing as female-only activities. And likewise, there's no longer such a thing as male-only activities. In other words, this includes sports and college sororities and fraternities. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, the Equality Act strips any judicial relief against having to perform abortions against one's religious beliefs by blocking claims based on the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act. The Equality Act strips any judicial relief from Religious Freedom and Restoration Act activities in having to comply with any part of the equality law. The Colorado cake artist who won his Supreme Court case an exemption from having to design a cake for a gay couple's marriage will be voided. There will no longer be any lawful acts of religious conscience. The Equality Act brings an end to dialogue. It forces all of us to accept the tendentious claims of gender ideology. In summary, while the Equality Bill purports to protect individuals from discrimination, in truth, it will discriminate against those who do not agree with a regime of laws premised on sexually permissive understandings of human nature. 
It will thus create a new form of discrimination by socially isolating certain beliefs. Indeed, to favor the Equality Act is to oppose and actively stigmatize the moral convictions that millions of Americans adhere to with abiding sincerity and deep religious precedent. Well, I think I've packed just about everything I could pack into 53 minutes. I thank you so much for hanging in with me today. Our time has come to an end again, but there's still so much more to come next week. Lord willing, I will return next week. I I hope you found today's show informative. Please pay attention to the Equality Act. It really is a problem. I ask you also to please follow me on Twitter. I do follow back. You can find me at DFB Harvard. That's Daniel Francis Baranowski. The initials DFB Harvard, all one word. I can't possibly thank you enough. You're marvelous and so patient with me again today. Let's do talk therapy again next week. Same place, same time. Until then, cheers and blessings. Thank you.